the world is full of wonders. Magic is hidden in small moments. And monsters could be hiding just out of sight. But if you're looking to find them, adventure is waiting to happen. You never know who you'll meet along the way. We are the Storyteller Squad. Hello, adventurers. Welcome back to the Storyteller Squad. Thanks for joining us for more Monster of the Week. Before we begin, let's check in with our heroes. If you would be so kind as to indulge me with a moment of poetry. I always knew Jersey would get me in the end. And I've never had fantasies of dying like a martyr. Is this a foe or an unexpected friend? Dying is easy. Living is harder. I'm Hugo Rashad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Once more, with feeling, no more secrets. I'm Agent Whitaker. Damn, drama. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not as bad as it could have been, I guess. I think we're going to be okay. I'm Raven Eugenia. Ugh, I hate sand. It's so coarse and it's everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Damien Angelo Edgecrest. Hey guys, what did I miss? I'm Felicity Starnbrook. (laughs) wow i'd like a sandwich we saved the world at least a dozen times this summer so i want my free sandwich (laughs) i'm aiden brightwood let's have an adventure i think you deserve free sandwiches for like a year i'd say for the rest of your life but that might put someone out of business Coast Guard Patrol, this is C-142. We are moving to position. Please advise. Chopper 142, this is Coast Guard response. We're responding to the unknown incursion. Establish aerial perimeter and await instructions. Roger that, Coast Guard. Helicopter blades, camera flashes, boats and engines, and the rush of activity swarm Atlantic City in the aftermath of the demonic incursion. News reporters are already flooding the airwaves and local channels with their take and personal narration of the live footage that has been submitted by hundreds of citizens and witnesses to the event. And the press rushes in on the beach, being held back only by yellow do not cross lines and vigilant Eastie agents as the premier and now public organization who responds to supernatural events does their best to weather their first moment in the limelight. We will send our camera past the flocking throngs of reporters and camera operators, past the bustle of government agents and end on the beach on two figures sitting huddled close, trying to drown out the sounds of chaos behind them for one last moment. Raven. Yes. What's up? (sighs) I think Raven's got like an emergency blanket around her. One of those things when 
there's an emergency, people who are in the area just have blankets <laughs> over their shoulders for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I think she's currently sharing that with Aiden, just sitting in the sand, holding hands, kind of leaning on each other. Wendy's in your lap. Mm-hmm. Their little ears kind of folded back because it's very loud and they don't like it. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of curled up in a little ball. Every time a, another helicopter light goes over, Raven kind of squeezes them a little tighter. I think Aiden's been quiet. She's just letting you process there if you need to say anything or vent or just not do anything for a little bit now that the pressure is somewhat off your shoulders. I think there's several times where Raven, like, picks her head up off of Aiden's shoulder and, like, opens her mouth to say something and then just closes it again and is just deep in thought. Like, she's, there's so much that has happened that she wants to talk about it, but she's just, like... And then we'll just put her head back down. I'm like, ah. I think that happens a few times. It's just, like, processing. Are you doing okay with Damien being gone? Do you want to talk about it? I guess it just doesn't feel real. We've seen him disappear a couple of times, but this time feels worse. It feels permanent. I don't think that we could just do some magic, say some words, do a ritual, and get him back this time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of get the feeling the whole group might be breaking apart for a little while. First Felicity needing to go do her thing, and now this. Aiden can, like, hear her start to not hyperventilate, but, like, almost. She's just kind of processing that, I think taking it the wrong way Mm -hmm. and just starting to freak out a little bit (laughs) and, like, was going to respond and now can't because she's focusing on breathing. She feels the tension suddenly rise in your body and she looks up at you. Hey, whoa. Oh, it's all right. What's what's wrong? We, I, I, I don't want to be alone. This sucked. We were together for so long, all of us. I just, I don't want it to be over. Her cheeks just flush gold for a second. Oh, I, I didn't mean, I'm not going anywhere. You promise? Yeah, of course. You're not going to be alone as long as I'm around. Okay. I think she calms down a little bit more, but it's still, like, shaky. Sorry, I didn't mean to freak you out. I just meant that things are going to be changing in big ways. And yes, that can be scary, but... I'm not scared, because as long as we're together, we can take on anything. I think Raven pulls her into a hug now and squeezes her. As long as we're together. Damien, what does Aiden see as she squeezes Raven tight, but then opens her eyes and is looking beyond her girlfriend's shoulders? Oh shit, the first waking up, uh, you'll have to give me like 10 seconds to get into character. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He needs 10 seconds to put a whole bunch of sand in his mouth mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of gargling water. Authentic Foley here on Storyteller Squad. <laughs> uh, I won't break the mic, but it's just like a loud wail. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Oh. oh my God. You just see the mound in the distance because he's curled up in the feeble position. <laughs> oh, dude. He's experiencing the pain and trauma of birth. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus fuck. Miracles come in many forms. Aiden will pull out of the hug and say, I think I heard someone in trouble down the beach. I'm going to go see if I can help. I'll come with you. Yeah, let's go. And so you make your way over and you see this 
person lying in the sand, nothing on, crying in a fetal position. Um, hey, excuse me, are you hurt? I'm stuck. Damien? She's gonna get down on her knees and kind of get closer to his face. (laughs) Holy shit, is that you? Yeah. Damien? How? What? You see him uncurl a bit to gesture at how stuck he is, which was like clearly demonstrating that he's not stuck, so it is a little confusing. How are you here? I don't know. Are you okay? Are you are you hurt? No. She's gonna like hold his face and see if he's oh. I don't know, bleeding or anything. Aiden's like taking off her jacket just to like give you something over your shoulders. <laughs> it's like Raven takes the blanket off of her shoulders and covers your midsection area. Sure. <laughs> oh my god. I can't face. I can't change. I can't do anything. I'm useless. And he flops over again. Oh, <laughs> Raven's going to take his hand and just feel it. And just, does it feel like how Damien used to feel? I imagine mostly humid, but not, not quite. Aiden gets you to sit up and like brushes some of the sand out of your dark hair with the green like tinting to it. Raven, you see her tearing up a little bit. Oh, you're really back. And she gives you a hug. Oh. And I will activate Soothe if you would like to be slightly comforted by this. Uh, yes. But like when you hug Damien, he grabs onto you tightly in the hug. Mm-hmm. It is it is a very, a very tight squeeze. Yeah. But yeah, no, you can you can do Soothe. She she just kind of pats your back and looks up at Raven. Well, you did it again. This has never happened before. <laughs> can can you fix it? I don't think there's anything to fix, Damien. I think you're just a freak of nature. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Aiden looks a little horrified at your word choice. <laughs> no, no, don't change it. That was, don't that change was wonderful. It. I don't want to change it. I was going to say, I want to clarify, Raven's looking at him in like wonder. That yeah, was not meant yeah. as an insult. It was not said as an insult. Yeah, 100%. Oh, that's so funny though. <laughs> she's absolutely baffled. <laughs> I think she's she's like kind of patting his shoulder too, trying to comfort him. <laughs> You're a little freak. It's okay, bud. That's all right. You've always been our weird little guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so yeah, she says, Let's get you cleaned up, and we'll figure out what there is to fix or not fix once you're a little more calm and clothed. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You sure you're not hurt? No, I mean, I I feel fine physically. It's just I, I can't do anything. Uh, And you see him sort of like shake about and wiggle about Mm -hmm. and then like close the coat because, you know, can't really be waving around when you're only wearing Aiden's jacket. (laughs) And a blanket. And a blanket, yeah. You can have a little blanket skirt. (laughs) Yeah, they can can fashion the blanket into like a little little towel wrap for you. (laughs) Yeah, let's, let's get cleaned up. Oh, you know what? My stomach hurts. That's, that's new. Oh, honey. Oh, no. Aiden's sitting in the sand and just, like, rubs at her cheek for a second. 
and she pulls away some of like the tears that got on her when you were like crying into her and like hugging her. And I don't know that she says this to you, Damien, but she just kind of says quietly, <laughs> Damien, you're already doing new things. And she'll help you get up and walk you over to the Eastie emergency aid tent, I suppose. Whitaker is not going to believe this. Aiden and Raven, you two can take care of young, new Damien for <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Unless there's more to that scene you guys want. I feel like as soon as they get him to the tent, Raven would run to find Hugo and Whitaker. This is something they need to know right now. Okay. Then in that case, I think I want to cut for a moment. Mm -hmm. So as you guys go into the tent, you're getting water and food and something for Damien's new human body. We're going to pan over and we see outside the medical tent, Hugo. You're standing there with Princess Anya of the Summer Court and Jaren Drakir, who is sort of standing at attention like a uh, Regency escort. What do you do? Okay, I don't mean to be rude, but can you run me through this again? Who are you? And how do I know you? Bridget mentioned you might not remember me. Um, we were engaged once to be married. It was a couple of years ago. Well, more than a few now, but I haven't been able to see you. You look the same, mostly. I take it back. Hugo might be the one that needs therapy. <laughs> God. <laughs> Lord. He is standing there somewhat, I don't know if dumbfounded is the right word for it. Shook? Shook. Shook is definitely, <laughs> definitely an accurate describer. Jay might speak up and says, Lady, if you need privacy, I could arrange to get you to a quiet space. And Anya just looks to you, Hugo, and says, I can tell you as much as you need to know. I don't want to flood you. I'm just going to need some moments to process this. Um, like, I, I don't really see a reason to not trust you on this, but that is, for lack of a better term, incredibly wild. Very much unlike me. Is it unlike me? Hmm. Um, yeah, let's let's sit or something and we can talk. John and Drakir, could you? Of course. And he glows golden and... <laughs> his giant forest dragon self appears. Several Eastie agents go, ah! and like pull their <laughs> guns quickly, but then holster them again, remembering that the dragon was on their side, supposedly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Uh, Jay can either just surround the two of you, creating like a physical barrier, or if you want to like fly him down the beach somewhere else, you could if you wanted to. I feel like them being in a coil in that spot makes more sense. Sure. Plus it also means he's nearby for when Raven gets there. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. You see Jay just sort of coils around and with like his long bushy tail kind of like flops it over the top, creating like a canopy. Light's still poking in, but it is sunset, so it's shaded dusk inside of his dragon self with like little glimmers of gold and green occasionally as they like race through his spirit form. And actually in the shade, you see on Anya, all of her gold and copper freckles pulse slightly with like a warm light to them. And when her eyes shift from that brown to the emerald green, the green is much brighter and seems to pulse similarly to how Jay and his scales sometimes shimmer. She just sits 
cross-legged down where you guys are standing. She says, there's a lot to cover, so I think it might be easier for you to just ask some questions and we'll go from there. That's, that's fair. I, I get, okay. Well, I guess the, asking how I know you doesn't really make sense anymore if I was, we were engaged? For a few months, yeah. But we've been seeing each other for a few years, actually. Do my parents know? Well, because of who I am, and she kind of gestures at her long, pointed elvish ears poking through her red, curly hair, she says, we hadn't really figured out how to tell them yet. At least not in person. And yeah, it, it was, well, it was sort of a sudden engagement, but you always one for unexpected romantic gestures. Okay, did Kabe take more from me than I thought he did? Uh, Aranya Kabe, um, he's a... The spider? Yeah. You wouldn't have had any dealings with him. Or at least, not that I knew of, back when we were together. Oh, this is gonna sound horrible. How long ago was that? Like I said, about five years. I was still in school. Yeah. We met at your college. That was before I met the Whisper. That was before... How... Okay. I was on campus as part of a performing group, and uh, <laughs> I ran into you, dropped your books everywhere. I was really sorry, but you just didn't seem to mind. And then you came by the show afterwards. Huh. <sighs> okay, that makes sense. So I met you five years ago. We got engaged. How did I forget all this? I think it's partly my fault. Well... It's my mother's fault, really. But I was careless. And she tricked me. Maybe I should call my sister? She's actually the one that helped us. Uh, sure. And she closes her eyes for a second. And I think she says a little poem, which I haven't written, but I'm just now thinking of that idea. So I'll ADR one in. Sister, mirror of my heart, keeper of the winter's breath, come to me and in return, I too shall come at your behest. A chill ripples through the air, and in a swirling of little impossible snowflakes and frost, and then a flash and burst of cold, another figure appears. They are short and sort of sprightly in their appearance, but they have this look to their face and eyes that suggests they are not as childlike as their like stature might imply. Very long, pointed ears, and a white shock of hair that kind of sticks out in spikes like icicles, and a blue waistcoat coat with puffy white sleeves that end in like silver braced cuffs with lots of diamonds and, and other gemstones that connect to buttons that go up the sides of the sleeves, and uh, sort of a little layered skirt, and then gray leggings that end in these like white boots that have silver trim and buckles and other fasteners on them. Anya says, Thanks for answering, Bridget. And Jay kind of like pokes his head in. Uh, introducing Her Royal Highness, Bridget of the Winter Court of Sottenwheel, Keeper of the Frost and the Frozen Wilds, and blah blah blah. He goes through her whole litany of titles as he did for Anya. Bridget looks at you, Hugo, tilts her head to the side and shoots you a mischievous grin before she says, Right, so it worked, did it? Nice job, Hugo Rashad. What did I even do? Well, we struck a deal, didn't we? I'm sorry, what? You and I. 
Back when this one got herself so lovesick and hurried, she wound up tricked and stuck in the folk havens. Of course, I suppose you wouldn't remember any of that. Sort of the crux of the whole bit of magic I did, innit? Uh, okay. Had to make it convincing. Otherwise, Mom and Pop would be pissed. They still are, probably. But they can't do anything about it now. Okay. Leastwise, can't interfere again. What's next is all up to you two. Maybe it'll work out again. But maybe not. I'm excited to see. Okay. Anya pats their sister. Bridget, he doesn't remember much. Maybe we should slow down a little and start from the beginning? If you want. I'm happy to fill in missing details if I can. Suppose you missed the part where you were stuck at home and I had to find your dashing human lover to try and save your relationship single-handed. I, I, I just need a second. And Hugo's going to go to his old standby and lie down on the ground. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Completely with his hair in the sand and everything. Mm-hmm. Anya, who is like sitting, doesn't quite stand, but kind of just like crawls over and like head in her hands propped up on her elbows, kind of just like sits there watching you, waiting. She's so in love. And Bridget just sort of floats into the air as if they're stepping on little snowflake platforms and then sort of loops upside down and kind of just floats inverted above you. They're like white hair dangling down and waving a little cold breeze. (laughs) It's just sort of magically holding them aloft. Whenever you are ready, Anya can fill you in a little bit on what happened. Is he ready? Does he have to be ready? Nah. Is it the right time for it? Probably. Okay. Oh, there's going to be so many questions. He's going to want to know what the deal was. He's going to want to know who the parents are, why they're angry. Sure. Why Anya got trapped. There's a lot there. Yeah. Well, I will then narrate a bit. You can kind of imagine a little montage as Anya explains how you you did meet in school. She was here in the human realm masquerading as a human and was part of a improv slash like circus arts performing group, basically that would just go around and do different shows. She'd done theater and acting and singing, and she'd just been trying all these different creative pastimes amongst the humans. Yeah, when she ran into you, there was just something about you and the way you, like, treated her with sort of a respect and deference that was familiar, but at the same time not haughty or condescending the way, like, her life back home in the Havens and her being a princess was. You two seemed to hit it off really well. You ended up dating for a while, and eventually she came forward and, like, revealed to you that she was, in fact, a folk, and sort of explained to you the existence of the havens and magic, not really as much as you would come to later understand about that part of the world when it came to, like, becoming inducted in the Whispered and researching it full-time, but you just became aware that Oh yeah, okay, I guess that's a thing. At least it's a thing for my girlfriend. You guys got engaged. I don't want to define who proposed to who or what, but like, (laughs) you know, it was cute. And uh, yeah, she basically said, I can't wait to begin our lives together. And she went home to collect a few things in order to fully transition her life into the human realm and out of Savonweald, which is the name of the largest folk haven that exists and is where the folk courts are located. It's sometimes called Safeguard by folk that travel back and forth between the modern world and the havens. 
So she then gets into this moment where she was back home packing up her things. She told her parents. Her parents, by the way, Mada is the vernal king, Nuada, king of spring. And then my mother is the autumnal queen, Maeve. Huh. I guess that tracks. It's a real family affair. Basically, she said that they disapproved, but her mother more so than her father. And her mother was always more likely to get involved and meddle in other people's personal affairs. And so while Anya is packing, we will cut to like a little scene of her in her princess chambers in the palace of the folk. And her mother comes in. Queen Maeve is classic depiction of a fairy queen. Her dress is made of autumnal leaves and has acorns and seeds and shafts of just freshly harvested wheat and grasses and other autumnal gourds and sort of things all woven or embroidered into the design of it. She just sort of appears very stately as she steps forward into the chamber and stands there in the doorway. And how long do you intend to stay with this human? You know he is mortal. His life is an instant compared to our immortality. And Anya pauses. She's putting like a mirror in her belonging, she says. Well, that being the case, I don't have any time to waste. I'll be going now. Try not to miss me too much, Mother. Come visit if you like, though I don't have high hopes for that. Hey, all right, Anya. I can see when your mind is made up. You truly love him, don't you? I really do. I'm happy when I'm with him, Mother. All I want is for you to be happy, dear. I couldn't bear to see you get hurt. I won't be. Hugo's really special. I hope you can see that someday. Perhaps. Will you just promise me one thing before you go? And Anya's closing her suitcase, you know, locking it up, and turns and absentmindedly says, Of course, anything, Mother. And the Queen's demeanor shifts from sort of concerned mother to wicked grin. Promise me you will remain in Savonweald until Hugo Rashad draws his dying breath. <gasps> I promise I will remain in Savonweald until Hugo Rashad draws his dying breath. No! What did you do? What is best for you, Anya? I'm sorry, dear. And Queen Maeve turns, having tricked her own daughter into a deal, and Anya collapses on the ground in tears and panic. And then in a flash of gold, she face steps and appears again on the edge of Sovenweald. Again, this massive haven with a palace and castle embankments and really just a little medieval village, basically, within one of these havens. But Anya appears at the edge where the space becomes sort of that distorted barrier of Aurora-like displacement of, of the things beyond and just pounds into the edge of it and continues to pound and claw and blink. And she appears at a different area of the border and pounds and pounds and she cannot leave. And eventually she just collapses and cries into the ground, just wailing at the situation she's now in. In her eagerness and rush to get her mother off her back, she has promised a thing she can now not take back. 
as Anya is sharing this story with you, Hugo, she does get pretty emotional in the retelling of it. And she kind of has to stop eventually after finishing getting out most of the details. I'm so sorry, Hugo. We lost all this time, and it's all my fault. I was so careless. Not your fault in the slightest. And he's going to, while lying on the ground, lift out a hand towards her. Parents can be, eh, you know. I suppose. Everything you ever told me about your parents made them seem wonderful. Honestly, they're pretty great. I know it might sound a bit strange, but I do hope I get to meet them someday. I don't see why you couldn't, but, um... Ugh, okay. Bridget, who has been floating upside down, spins and rotates, and they have this, like, really big smile on their face. Fingers, like, steepled together very excitedly. And they say, Now tell them what I did. Tell them what I came up with, Anya. It's really brilliant, Hugo. I think I must be the smartest sister ever, aren't I, Anya? And Anya brightens a bit and laughs. (laughs) That you are, Bridget. Why don't you tell him? You were there. And Bridget, Princess of Winter, flips herself right side up and slowly descends and floats down and sits cross-legged on the other side of you, Hugo, because you're still (laughs) deposed flat on the ground. And they say, Well, pretty much after that, Anya was inconsolable, just a real right mess. So after we got her put to bed, a bit of milk and honey just to like ease the heartbreak a bit, being a kind, generous big sister, I figured I might be able to do something about this. She wouldn't be that upset if it was just a, a fling, you know? Seemed like the real deal to me. Didn't know why mom and dad were so objectionable over the whole thing. I mean, they do have a reason to hate the humans, but let's not get into that. So I figured I'd pop over, see what all the fuss was about. Never actually did get to meet you before then. So when I arrived, you were uh, also pecking. Guess you two planned to go on a trip together or something once you tied the knot. And we'll cut to a scene where, Hugo, you are, again, five years prior. You're engaged. Anya just said, I'll be right back. I'm going to get my things and say goodbye to my folks. And then we'll go on our trip. And appearing in your window, first as a shadow, and then as a person in silhouette, and then stepping down into uh, the room, is Bridget. And they say, Right, so you're Hugo Shod then, eh? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, um... Hi? Hi. You're a bit taller than I thought. You look familiar. (laughs) I should think so. I'm on your sister, Bridget. Nice to meet you. They pad right up and put out a hand. He instantly puts a hand out and shakes. I see the family resemblance. A little bit of frost forms on your skin, but they shake your hand and then take it away and look at what you're packing. And they say, packing for a trip then. Yeah, um, I assume she told you we're... Going on a little bit of a trip in general, seeing some sights. Yeah, about that. And they reach a hand up and kind of scratch at their pointy, spiky hair, which kind of sounds like splintering like icicles and wind chimes as they run their fingers through it. But they say, Anya's gone and, uh, well, really, it's our parents. They've kind of messed everything up for you two. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but, uh, I don't see the trip happening anytime soon. Packing delays, family business. I do still to meet the folks. More like a magical, unbreakable agreement? Anya's told you about those, right? I mean, she must have. You guys are engaged. And his face just drops. Yeah, she's told me about a few of them. Uh, okay, uh, 
how, how bad could it be? What kind of terms are they? Uh, well, from what I heard behind her choked sobs, uh, you gotta die, my friend. After what? <laughs> yeah. Now, Mum was pretty specific, so we got a real pickle on our hands, don't we? Potential little brother. So, here's what I'm thinking. The folk, they kind of got a thing for believing in destiny, right? Doesn't mean they won't meddle, but there is sort of a taboo against meddling twice or meddling too much. You don't want to incur, you know, the wrath of the spider. The who? That's nah, not important. <laughs> what the? <laughs> so here's the thing. There is a way you two could wind up back together, but it's a big risk. Unfortunately, it's kind of the only avenue you got. Unless you want to just give up and try to move on. But, uh, suppose that's up to you. Is she worth it to you, Hugo Rashad? You're not going to make me pull a Romeo and Juliet, are you? I really don't want to. It's going to be a Romeo and Juliet sort of thing. Except it's just going to be you, Romeo. <laughs> oh. I like you. I can see why Anya enjoys you now. You know our stories. I love her so much. <laughs> There's a difference between knowing a story and living out a story. Really? I've found for us it's one and the same. <sighs> She's worth it. That's the right answer, Hugo Rashad. That's the right answer. Okay, so here's how it's going to work. You're going to forget. I'm going to take it all. I don't want to, but if you want a second chance, you got to start from scratch. How, how far from scratch? You're not going to remember her. You're not going to remember your time together. And when you do, meet back up, if and when that's possible. Starting from square one, bud. Now here's the catch. If you do, and if it works again, well, that's true love, ain't it? Statistically... Aww. Ain't nothing no king or queen and nobody can say to you after that. Sounds fair enough. <laughs> it's a test. It's essentially a test. Okay. I'm good at those. Sure. If that helps you feel better about it. <laughs> what do you say? Put her there. See you around, little bro. Maybe. What do you mean, maybe? <laughs> and they clap your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, there it is. Boom. <gasps> And in a flash of cold, that's the end of Bridget's recounting of the deal you two made. Because then at that point, you forget Anya and all the connections and bonding moments and lovely romantic things you ever did together with her. You forget about magic entirely. Yeah, you are you are left having basically portions of your life not gone, not missing. You don't really realize it because those parts of your history now are just sort of fuzzy and... Oh yeah, you were busy with school. You're doing this and that. Blah, blah blah. And then we watch Hugo go about his life following this agreement. As you are going about your day to day, you start to see a symbol. It crops up now and then in books you're reading, on lampposts in the city, underneath bleachers at your school, a flame in a compass. And before, this would have been part of Hugo's backstory of how you, because of your inquisitive mind, discovered the Whispered and eventually poked into them so much that you were inducted. But now we see, as you take a book off a library shelf, Bridget is there in a blue hoodie on the other side of the shelf, chuckling to herself. As you walk down a street, and notice a symbol on a lamppost and keep walking, 
Bridget's head peeks out of a shadowed alleyway, grins, and then slips back into the dark. And all these moments where the whispered were put into your path had been quietly nudged and tipped and dropped there by Bridget, Princess of Winter. And we come back to the present in your conversation. And she says, I figured if anything was a death sentence waiting to happen, it was joining that lot. I was right, wasn't I? So, yeah, signed you up, and uh, gosh, it took you a while. You were too good at it, mate, is what it is. I nearly died so many times. I know, what have you been waiting for? <laughs> the, the groan that he makes right now, I cannot even do a proper representation of. <laughs> and Bridget does just laugh, and she looks at Anya, about wraps up my involvement. I'm gonna go back and see what kind of fit mom and dad are throwing. Bet the castle's half destroyed by now. Can't wait to see it. This could be a lot of fun, sis. <laughs> and she looks down at Yukigo and says, remember, only one second chance. My magic can't save you again, so whatever happens next, it's all in your hands. Best of luck, you two. I'm rooting for you. Great. She floats across you, just like horizontal in the air, gives Anya a little kiss on the forehead. I'll see you around. Maybe. And then disappears in a wisp of snow that sprinkles down and melts into the sand. Okay, that was a lot. She's she's a lot. She can be, yeah. Well, this puts so many things in perspective. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. Is she the reason I could never find my armor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but it might be the reason for these. And she runs her hand tentatively, but gently along your arm, where you still have many tattoos of ice and lightning abilities that were perhaps influenced by the fey runes of winter that covered your body before you became inducted. <gasps> I have some calls I'm gonna have to make. I'll, I'll make those later. You should rest. You and your friends did something really incredible today. Not to mention the fact that you died. Always at a cost. That seems to be the way of things. I'm hoping we've paid ours, finally. Or at least enough to earn some happiness. Well, one way to find out. Look, I'm, I'm gonna lay this on the table now. I still barely know you. I know. I'd hazard finding out more. <sighs> you see her shoulders relax when you say you'd like to find out more. Like she'd been holding her breath this entire time that you two have been talking and finally was able to exhale and, and take another breath in. I can give you space. I, I can let you have some time to process everything you've been through. But you can always contact me. And she reaches into a little pouch she's got on her side and undoes the drawstring on it and plops into her hand a gold band with silver inlays of a twisting vine. Bridget brought this home with her, and however things go, I want you to have this. And she hands you what you assume might have been your old engagement band. And he will cautiously take it, but doesn't put it on or anything. Yeah. Ends up putting it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. She nods and stands up 
returns to her very like stately, royal posture and composure. John Indrakia, New Athadis. Your Highness. I would like an escort home, please. Of course, Lady Anya. And he lowers his head and she steps up onto the back of it and holds onto one of his antlers. As Jay's nodding and, and turning, Anya just continually staring at you. And Jay rises into the sky. They start to get up into the air to the point where you wouldn't really be able to hear her, but it sounds as though she's still just as close. Be safe, shade of my heart. I hope I'll see you soon. And Jay flies through a portal and into the havens. So fucking cute. Okay. Whitaker. I I might need a moment. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Yeah, let Brittany pee, for Christ's sake. Oh, do we have to pee? We can take a break. <laughs> sure. Sure, sure, sure. Break time. So bad. I haven't wanted to leave, though. No, <laughs> yeah, we'll take a break. <laughs> Thank you. Bring forth the buckets. Hello, adventurers. Thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying the change of pace in our epilogue compared to all the action-packed adventures we had leading up to the finale. Now we get to chill and have some quieter moments to process everything and reveal new lore. I'm super excited to share more stories with the royal folk in the next season. But until then, here's what's coming up soon. In October, we'll be releasing our next installment of the Expanded Universe series. These one-shot episodes will once again feature friends of ours from other podcasts. Series 2 includes the casts of Monster Hour, Memester of the Week, Nameless Monsters, and Trials of the Apocalypse. Each episode will explore a different region within our setting and how the people there are adjusting to the supernatural world coming out of hiding. Expect some silliness, some serious drama, and of course, new quirky cryptids for you to love. Thank you to all our podcasting friends and collaborators, especially Maya Dechen from the Monsters Playbook, who helped edit Series 2, and Many Worlds Tavern for sponsoring the series so we could pay for the extra production help and produce these crossovers more sustainably. Speaking of supporting our production, thank you to our patrons. We've been saving up for a while, and thanks to all your generous support, the Storyteller Squad is working towards being able to run a booth at gaming and pop culture conventions next year. We're excitedly figuring out what materials we'll need for the booth setup and sourcing new merch to sell. And we can do all this thanks to your continued support. So thank you once again. If you'd like to help us in this endeavor, you can follow the link to our Patreon in the show notes and sign up today. The next episode featuring our beloved heroes will be releasing in November, along with our season one and two recap episodes. If you have friends who've been a little hesitant to start a new podcast, show them the recaps when they come out. We're hoping they'll be a fun way to get people caught up and excited to join us when season three comes out. We're planning to take a short break in December for my birthday, the holidays, and to work on some other to-dos for season three, which will be coming at the start of the new year. I think that covers all of our announcements. Oh, take the listener survey if you haven't yet. It's in our show notes, too. You probably heard Brittany or Mel talk about it at the top of the episode. That would also help us a ton. All right, time to send you back. Take care, adventurers. We'll see you soon. Good Lord. Hugo wins the trauma contest. (laughs) 
Good job, Hugo. Bold of you to assume that this is the high point of the trauma. Uh, ooh, babe, if there's more, you're already in the lead. You can go for extra credit, but you've won. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a tragedy, but the thing is, the tragedy has happened. Now what? Mm-hmm. Now you gotta deal with the fact that you just forgot all of that. You gotta go on a first date. Now the story just continues. And what does that look like? The axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Yep. Hugo's a tree. God. Oh my god. And now for Whitaker trauma. Whitaker! Oh, I don't think we're doing trauma here, right, Natalie? We're just having a nice little conversation with <laughs> right? uh, whoever you want. Right? Right? Why are you doing that with your hands, Natalie? <laughs> those are your spooky hands. Interesting. <laughs> those are your villain hands. Put those away. Why do all DMs do that? And Elias takes the remaining 20 years of Whitaker's life. <laughs> oh, my God. He just says psych and then runs you through with his sword. Nothing personal, Whitaker. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's dead. New character, Emery. Finally. Finally. (laughs) Finally, I'm free of him. (laughs) Free of this sad British man. Whitaker, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, God, please, yes. I hope Matt saves that. (laughs) Horrible. Oh, and then Whitaker's immortal, and you can never escape. Oh, oh my god! No. No. <laughs> I'm telling you, Vampire Whitaker, it's a strong, it's a Ooh. strong way to go. Ooh. Oh, it'd be so good. Imagine the self-loathing. <laughs> As Paris Hilton would say, that's hot. <laughs> that's hot. <laughs> oh my god. All right. We're kind of on the beach. Let's wrap up beach stuff. I think we're just gonna go to Whitaker. You have had your like. Come back if you'd like. We'll obviously compensate you for all the shit that you had to go through. Thank you for saving the world. Here's a gold sticker from Olivia. (laughs) (laughs) And now I think, what is Whitaker doing? What what is Whitaker doing on the beach? Do you reflect on anything? Do you talk to anyone else? Oh, man. I guess he's just waiting for his team to reassemble and then wondering, like, gosh, should I even load up the truck again? Mm. Should I even bother? Right. So he is just, at the moment, Making a list of stuff to get together. He's just getting ready to leave. All right. I think you're sitting on like a upturned parking, like concrete block, you know, that got like thrown into the sand dunes or something. It's just like a little place for you to sit. The bustle of things is going on around you. You can hear sirens off in the distance. There's the clamor of people, just random people trying to see what went on and or get a glimpse of events on the beach. And perimeter after perimeter after perimeter continues to be set up. Local law enforcement and emergency responders are putting up like the sawhorse barriers now rather than just like a yellow tape kind of thing. And He is pointedly, I would say, not trying to be in the view of the cameras. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, wherever you're sitting, you've got a little notepad out. You're writing some things down. I think you hear someone approaching you and they say, Seems we can't stop meeting at beaches. <laughs> and Max Beagle and Hillary Ross are walking up towards you. I'll bring an umbrella next time. We can wait for the sunset and everything. How's your team doing? Things looked pretty rough when we first showed up. I'm going to be honest. I think I need a new pair of glasses because I distinctly remember all of them dying. But uh, looking around, that seems to be not the case. So I don't know if I can be trusted to judge my team's current state of being. Ross 
and Spiegel like sit down. Well, Spiegel sits down. Ross kind of stands a little off to the side, her arms still folded. Do you have something against people who are dead? Whitaker doesn't <laughs> respond to that. <laughs> Spiegel pipes up and he says, Heard you got the all clear. So what are you thinking? Are we going to see you back at HQ or not? Found the decision rather surprising, but suppose I'll take her up on it. <sighs> yeah, I won't turn it down. We'll see how public the agency plans on going now with the cat being out of the bag and all. The director's been handing out pardons lately. Mac nods and says, You wouldn't have known because you weren't on company updates, from what I gather. No, they turned off my email. I was a bit miffed on that. Mm. Hillary and I kind of went and did our own thing for a while there, too. I was curious about that, actually. I was going to ask you. I mean, you two been doing your own thing for a while. Yeah, mostly since we ran into you in Scotland. Yeah. I'm going to need an update on what happened since then. <laughs> he glances at the black gun that he's got sort of poking out of a chest holster. And he says, Yeah, we have a fair few adventures. And for sake of time, Ross and Spiegel will catch you up on the events of our Expanded Universe series, where <laughs> <laughs> the two of them went around uh, looking for ways to fight back against the demons. After learning more of the truth about the situation with Aiden and Felicity and that whole thing back in uh, Orden's cave. Oh, damn, I'm glad someone was able to find answers. I feel like every time we went looking, we ran into a brick wall. We may have been less careful than you. The agency wasn't specifically on a manhunt to track us down. And I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but are you still planning on being with the agency? Well, it does afford us a lot of Jurisdiction, I suppose, is the best way to put it. Especially if things go more public. I can't imagine it's going to get any easier to do our job or the investigative part of it. And Ross adds, she says, It's clear the demons aren't short on forces. So I can kill them. But I'm just one person with one sword. We're going to have to keep looking for more efficient paths forward. Well, I suppose I'll be happy to help with that if you need any extra assistance. She nods and she says, I'm sorry about Edgecrest, but also it would have been whoever that other demon was or me putting an end to it. No, I'm, I can't say I'm glad you did. But at this point, I don't think I'd have been able to pull the trigger. She kind of nods grimly. Don't go soft. This is only the first battle. Ugh, we picture there being more on the horizon. I don't know how many more I got in me. I have no idea, but the world's going to need as much help as it can get. It always does. I think, yeah, mostly I just wanted it to be established that they caught Whitaker up on what the fuck they were up to. Sure. So you know now about the runes they were able to inscribe on her sword that allow demons to be fully destroyed as opposed to just sent back from where they came. Spiegel explains that the gun he has is a, a relic slash like magic artifact that they stole from one of the demon spawn that they killed on their journeys. Cool, 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 cool. Yep. It might have the same ability to just like fully kill demon spawn versus banishing them. That's what it looked like from the finale. I'm not even thinking finale. I'm thinking how they used it against Malthus. 
Oh, sure. So, I think it being a, a firearm that belonged to a pretty important demon, it also has been like forged in a way that lets it destroy rather than displace. Sure. I think at this point, Raven, you can find Whitaker, and he's talking with Ross and Spiegel on the beach. She goes racing up to them, running as fast as she can in the sand, which is a struggle. Before Raven even gets close, like as you're running on the beach, Spiegel just says, isn't that one of yours? Yeah, I don't like when she's running. (laughs) She looks excited, which is weird. I think as she gets a little closer, it's just like, Whitaker! Oh my God! Hi, Ross and Spiegel! Whitaker, you're not going to believe this! You have to come see. Try me. Uh, I've been seen a lot of unbelievable things today. Damien's back. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's like, she puts a hand on the thing you're sitting on and is trying to catch your breath. God damn it. Give me that gun. I'm going to kill him for real this time. Oh my God. <laughs> you, Whitaker, you don't need the demon gun. He's a human. I'm sorry, what? You got to come see. He's just a human. No slime, no demon. He's just a guy and he's back. He's just a guy. God, I love a guy who's just a guy. <laughs> Raven, you feel a hand on your shoulder and you turn to see Agent Ross. Her cheeks like kind of sinking in and the sword on her back glowing with her ethereal ghostly energy. <laughs> and she just says, show me. Yeah, he's in the medical tent. Let's go. The four of you can get up and rush over there. Whitaker does a quick look at Spiegel, like, is it cool that she's ghosting out like this right now? She's not about to kill him again, is she? (laughs) Nah, you'd be surprised. She's really mellowed out since our road trip. (laughs) This is mellow. (laughs) That makes one of us. (laughs) And yeah, I guess Whitaker, yeah, follows. You rush over. We can say that like Aiden collects Hugo. You all come back to the medical tent where you see Damien is wrapped in several emergency blankets with like a cup of cool water and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. (laughs) (laughs) Burning himself on hot cocoa and eating some saltine crackers. (laughs) Ow! 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 Why is drinking painful? No fucking way. Whitaker and Damien drops both the foods to the ground and begins charging towards Whitaker. No! <laughs> and as he approaches, he like his arms go open wide for the hug, and then he skids and stops on one foot in front of Whitaker. Can I hug you? Bring it in, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then they hug. Is Damien still naked? He's got a like a blanket skirt. He's fine. Okay, whatever. It's not the first time Damien's been naked in Whitaker's presence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Damien's back. So did all of you die and come back then? Uh, uh, yeah, about that. I guess. Somewhat. Are you all okay? I mean, uh, no, you're not. None of you are okay. No. no. Not in the slightest. What about you? I... <laughs> Thank you all for staying with me. Throughout all this bullshit. Aiden runs up to you and hugs you too. 
Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. Raven's joining in. God damn it. All right. I can here. <laughs> Full group hug. Oh, yay. Whitaker, we could not have done this without you. Mm-mm. Very few people would follow me as I've experienced a full mental break and run away from a whole side of the coast of America. So, thanks for staying with me to the bitter end, I guess. And seriously, I, I felt like I was losing my mind through half of that. So the fact that you all stayed with me is... I'm not going to forget that shit. We all got put through our paces, but we saved each other. Hey, you all can go back to your lives. You're not all going to leave now, are you? Now that I don't have the spark? Damien, we're not going to leave you just because you don't have the spark in you. Okay, good. We liked you before the spark. To be honest, it was never your best quality. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, frankly, it was getting us in more trouble than it was worth. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of better it's gone. Now we don't have to run. Damien, what do you want to do now? Yeah. You can do anything for me. Can we go to the moment? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, will they let me in? (laughs) We'll make sure they do. I mean, we're kind of celebrities. We just save the world. Oh God. That's gotta count for something, right? Also, there's bound to be more places like the moment popping up. I mean... That's true. I guess it's time for the world to know. Oh, Rianne's clubbing life is about to change entirely. (laughs) For better or for worse? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Raven, Aiden, where are you two going to go from this? Well, I kind of want to go home. To Autumn Falls. Me too. I gotta see my family. It's been a long time. I should talk to Angela. And I want to be there when my brother brings home Jay. Oh my god. I'm going to need at least one video of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'll get you home. Aiden is crimson, and she just goes, Yeah, sing the Eugenia's again. Why would that be awkward? (laughs) 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 At least you're not a 50-foot dragon, and my parents already know you. Yep. I guess I've got that going for me. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with being a 50-foot dragon. It's really cool. (laughs) I'm excited. And hey, having parental approval for your love, that's going to get you far. (laughs) Speaking of that. Yeah, who was was that girl? Um, so that's Anya. Oh my god. A princess of the summer court of Fae. I'm surprised you were able to get within 15 feet of her. You're so averse to him. (gasps) Yeah, that's... I don't know why I was. Huh. Well, I guess seeing as I'm engaged, that kind of makes it difficult to be mad at people. What? Mr. Rashad. Or at least I was engaged. How long was I out? Listen, I know you're a private man, but Jesus Christ. What? Did this just happen? Did you propose the instant you met her? Uh, Apparently, like, five years ago, um... In my defense, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on this kind of thing. It's it's a long story. We got a long drive back. Oh, we sure do. Yeah, we'll get into all that. So we're taking the truck back? Oh, no. What are we going to do at the seating arrangement? Oh, no. Where's Damien going to sit? <laughs> he can't fit in the cup holder anymore. If it's all the same to you guys, I'd actually love to just take a plane. I'm a little road tripped out. Ah. <sighs> 
Yeah. Can't you teleport? <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sweepy? I'm sweepy and tired yeah, and... <laughs> she's sweepy and we did just say we're not going to go anywhere. So. <laughs> oh... I'm going to have to get a job, aren't I? You're going to have to get a job. You're going to have to get a credit score. Ugh. Ugh. Actually, um, Natalie, can we uh, get rid of credit scores in our fantasy world? <laughs> oh, yeah. Credit <laughs> scores don't exist. Can you just say that for the sake of, you know, this being a world where, you know, there's no bigotry. Can we also say no no credit scores? Yeah, but there's mm-hmm. demons, so it's like super credit scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, in a world where the demon prince of greed exists, credit scores <sighs> also have to exist. There are credit <laughs> scores. You don't need them to rent places to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Can we say the housing market is like actually Not all trash. right? <laughs> Considering, I don't know. We're probably just gonna cut all this. <laughs> did oh, the yeah. house? Did the housing market crash happen? Very important question. I don't want to think about it. Oh, the it. stock market absolutely crashed the day of the demon fight, but it'll come back. It'll be fine, dude. Yeah, it'll bounce back. Not our problem. There was no pandemic, but there was the existence of magic becoming a real thing. <laughs> and uh, now people work from home. <laughs> Four-day work week. Four-day work week. Better health insurance. Yeah. We love to see it. Yes. These are the things we will say exist in our world. <laughs> Hey, uh, Whitaker, could you uh, put in a good word for me at the agency? I feel like knowing stuff about demons is at least one thing I got going for me. And having seen you do your job, it seems seems doable. You want to become an agent proper? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit at a cubicle or anything like that. I hate to break it to you, some of the work is sitting in a cubicle. But good news, you've already been hired by the Eastie Agency. They just gotta hire you again. I'll put in a good word. Did Olivia mention that she was going to offer a job to everyone on your team, Whitaker? I forget. I don't specifically remember that. I think we talked about it, but I didn't think it was in the recording. I honestly, I kind of want Whitaker to demand that. Me too. I like that better. As opposed to her offering it. Ooh. Like, like, okay, yes, Whitaker, you get back pay. You get, um, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And he's like, all right, I want you to hire all my friends and give them back pay too. Mm. In order for me to come back, yeah. I like that a lot, actually. You want to pick your team. I think he, yeah, he's like, I want a team and I want to be mm-hmm. able to choose him and I want it to be this one, that one, and the other one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just like, I think he's testing, like, does she yeah. actually want him back? Like, how far does this go? Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Yeah, I like that a lot better than just like, oh, okay, your whole team's hired. Like, if he's going to return to the agency, because we've already made it clear that that is shaky ground for him, I want him to show that he's doing it with a security detail in place. Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's play that forward then. Sure. Absolutely, Damien. I'll get them hiring you as soon as possible. While you're at it, Whitaker, do you think maybe we could finally turn my internship into a full-time paid position? Oh, dear God. Yeah, that's long overdue. (laughs) I feel like I maybe have enough field experience. Yeah, I would say that maybe with the past month or so of chasing demons. Yeah, 
I think you've got more experience than a lot of the senior officers. Yeah, Raven, you're, you're in. Absolutely. Hell yeah. As far as that's concerned, I have a monster fighting resume longer than anyone on the planet. Aiden, you want to toss your luck in with this one? Well, yeah, I'm definitely throwing it in with this one. And she nudges Raven with a smile. Mm. But then she says, I don't think I can go back to being a waitress. Oh, me either. I don't think after all this I could do it. Don't get me wrong, I, I loved helping people with their small mundane problems, but the world just got a lot bigger, and I think it's time for me to step up a little. It's time I got back to doing what I was made for. Agency would be lucky to have you. Yeah, we'll get that arranged. She smiles. Is this all still happening in the group hug? <laughs> I imagine they let <laughs> I go. I picture them separating <laughs> okay. a little bit, yeah. so they're just talking closely. Besides, with Felicity off in the Havens, somebody's got to keep an eye on you, Agent Whitaker. Mm. <laughs> I think everyone looks at Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna say. And you? What? You want in? Nope. No, it's That's okay. Yeah, no no pressure. pressure. I mean, we got the you group got, hug. You we got don't your own ask thing. too much of you after that. <laughs> you are kind of in charge of a whole. I'm not in charge. Rianne from across the medical ward. Yes, you are, buddy. <laughs> Think about it this way. Someone has to keep track of what you guys do for when you inevitably mess it up. I would actually like to keep someone on the outside. Not in a social context, Hugo. I'm not going to keep you out of the loop like I used to. Good luck trying. Hugo, I wouldn't dream of it at this point, but we know that the agency is not exactly the cleanest operation, and I would really like it if we had someone, a third party, keeping an eye on things. Want to make a deal? With you? Yeah. I'd love to. You keep me accountable, I'll keep you accountable. Whitaker holds out his hand. You extends his. And he clasps him by the forearm. Proper. Proper Roman handshake. So is that like a Fae deal since Hugo's like almost a Fae prince now, or? Is this Raven asking? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. It was kind of just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Hugo's still just a guy. That's fair. I mean, they're engaged, not married, so. I think I want you all to, like, leave with Whitaker to go confront Olivia Easty and demand a job. Sure. Can I get pants first? <laughs> oh, please, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, we brought some level of suitcase with us. Like, there's Whitaker can surely lend you. You can like, eventually uh, get back into the hotel and yeah. get clothes for Damien to wear, yeah. But... I think as you leave the medical tent, probably to go do that and then to go find Olivia again, we see Ross and Spiegel having been quietly observing this whole interaction. And as you all leave, Mac just says, well, what's your read? Hard to say. We'll keep our eye on them. Sounds good to me. Damien Edgecrest has pants. Everyone has the blood cleaned off of them. Whitaker's going to reapproach Olivia's tent, assuming it is not swarmed with the press. That's probably what she's preparing for, honestly. She's got like a an attache group with her, and they're pre-prepping her with like questions that the press are likely to ask. And so she's going through the whole thing of like getting ready to make a public statement. But yeah, you managed to like. Yeah. I demand to speak to Olivia. You barge <laughs> your way in. Uh, and eventually she holds her hands up to the people, like asking her a bunch of questions. She sees you and your whole team. Oh, what a good. And everyone, thank you again. Can I help you? 
Actually, you can. I've considered your offer, and I'm ready to be reinstated as an agent of the Eastie Agency. But I have conditions. I feel like that's fair. I appreciate your willingness to take me back on, and I hope you understand that despite my behavior in the past month or so, I have been continuing to do my job, but I could not have done so without the aid of several individuals you see here. So I think it would be within our best interest to officially hire Damien Edgecrest, Raven Eugenia, and Aiden Brightwood alongside me. And imagine how good that would look for the cameras if the heroes appearing on that beach were all now employees of your establishment. Olivia scans your group and her eyes lock onto Damien. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roll manipulate someone. I would love to. <laughs> Minus one. <laughs> Baby, it's double sixes. Yo, what? You can't stop me. It's the epilogue scene. This is my final gambit. I love it. So that's an 11? It's an 11 in total. Okay. She narrows in on Damien through process of elimination and just holds the silence for a minute. Her finger just slowly tapping at the table. But again, there's all these people prepping her to go make a public statement. And she says, I think you're right, Agent Whitaker. We'll be sure to set up your team with a debrief once we get back to Portland. I don't suppose I could trouble you for a public statement. It would certainly go a long way in clearing all of your names from that business in Washington. With all due respect, Director Eastie, do you really want the London Agency's disgraced agent appearing on your cameras today? I wouldn't worry about London, Whitaker. I'll talk to my contacts there. Oh, shit. <laughs> Whoa. Was not expecting that. <laughs> Hold on. Whitaker's hands, like, tighten briefly on the edges of his suit jacket. And uh, after a moment, he'll nod. Public speaking was never my strong suit, but I see you've got a bit of prep going on over here if you wouldn't mind me sticking around. We'll put you through a crash course then. The rest of you, I will arrange to meet with in Portland. Welcome aboard, agents. Now, if you'll excuse me. And she returns to preparing for the public statement she's going to make. I think we can sort of gloss over the next few events, right? There is a public statement from the EC agency and from the Department of Defense and, you know, all these different people coming forward talking about the issue, which is magic is real. Ah. <laughs> How crazy is that? That's the headlines. Yeah. <laughs> newspaper. Magic is real. Ah. <laughs> Your names are cleared. You are. How would they handle it? Gosh. Because it's like you're sort of becoming secret agents, but also public figures because the Eastie Agency is now not so secret anymore. I think consider it more like Benoit Blanc is the world's most famous uh, detective. People just know his name, but he still investigates crimes. I could see it being like having our groups kind of standing in the background as Olivia is making her statement and kind of vaguely is like, and these brave agents helped us. And so she's not naming us. Yeah. She references the events in Washington as part of the lead-up investigation that led to what happened in New Jersey. Yeah. And then it just 
is glossed over after that. Yeah. And we listen as Director Eastie addresses the nation and hundreds of thousands of people listen into this channel and several others as news of magic's existence enters the zeitgeist of the world. Ooh. Thank you all for coming today. My name is Olivia Eastie, and I am the director and chairperson of the Eastie Agency, which, for the past several decades, has been protecting this country from magical terrors and the things that go bump in the night. Let me start by addressing the events of today, and our view shifts as though the channels were being flipped through on TV, and with just a slight bit of anachronistic timing, we see several folks being interviewed in the coming days about their experiences and coming forward about their status as magical persons or sharing their knowledge of the supernatural. Yeah, I've been learning magic for a while now. My mentor, uh, he always said that it was dangerous. I don't know, I also think he did a lot of good with it. My cat? Oh, yeah, she, yeah, see, that's like, she does that. She's, she's like a normal cat, but it's a whole thing, man. Representatives from the courts of Sovenweald arrived at the United Nations today to speak with world leaders about the unusual nature of their nation's border and its intersecting nearly every mundane nation. You know, we print a lot of weird things. <laughs> we tell a lot of weird stories. But people don't want to believe. It's a big change, and change scares a lot of people. So, you know, we didn't print it because we would have been ignored. No one can ignore it anymore. Um, yeah, I get stares still when I travel or go to the parts of the city I don't usually frequent, but mostly I'm just grateful to be able to run errands and go to restaurants and be outside around other people. It's really nice to feel sort of normal again. I always knew that monsters took my parents, but I didn't know that that was anything more than a metaphor. Now that I do, they better watch their damn backs. Coraline Duskhart joined with Writers Guild and SAG leadership on the picket lines today. Miss Duskhart recently inspired several other influencers to reveal their monster status when she came out publicly as the Moth Girl following the events of Atlantic City. I told all of you, if you were following me on Twitter, you would have known that magic and monsters were real years ago. You know what? Whatever. My boyfriend is a coyote. We don't have to date in secret anymore. This is the best day ever. With everything out in the open, my wife's been able to start a career. My boy's going to a proper school, and we got to move closer to family. It's wins all around for the Auburn family. I've been telling people my whole life that magic stuff is real, man. And now that I've been undeniably right the whole time, I'm basically royalty. You can even have my autograph if you ask nicely. Now that we have tangible evidence of the existence of heaven and hell, I think a lot of people at first were trying to make sure they'd be going to the right place. But it's hard for people to change. And just because there's proof that places like that exist, doesn't mean we have any real understanding of how they work. So, best thing we can do is carry on and get back to living life. As messy as that can be sometimes. For 30 years I've been the boy wizard. Maybe all this means I can finally get out from under the old bastard's thumb and become a middle-aged man-wizard. Well, the Hodag's always been a pretty good neighbor to the folks in Rhinelander, so guess we never put much stock in spreading gossip. Say you folks want to see the garage, we probably got some leftovers we can give you from the meat fridge. I've known about all the monsters and mysteries of the world since before I could walk, 
And it's, it's kind of weird that everyone knows about this stuff now, but also it's probably good because now everyone can learn and take precautions. And like maybe people should think about getting their own personal protection. Just remember that now it means that we're all in this together. So um, now it's your turn. Welcome to the team. As the owner, it's important to me that everyone feel welcome in my clubs. All people, monstrous, magical, or mundane, are welcome at the deep end. So join us and party responsibly. Yes, I understand that the events that occurred in Atlantic City were unusual. I can't go into further detail about what that means. It's highly classified. It's for the public's protection. No, the brave persons who face the dangers that occurred in Atlantic City are well-meaning, good-hearted heroes. I would trust them with my life. Some kid wants to marry a dragon? Now I've heard everything. Love's love, I guess. Be gay, fuck monsters? So the whole world knows about magic now. Good, I'm glad. You know, never would have thought that a seven-foot-tall construct would be able to get a date, but hey, it's a brand new day. There ain't no secrets anymore. No stone left unturned. But we ain't meddling around anymore, folks. I have a call to action. Up north, they recently fought a demon in a battle the likes of which we ain't seen since the War of the Wilds. We have to find our common ground and work together. There's good people everywhere. That is how we shed hope and light across the darkest of shadows. I've been around a long time, and if there's one thing I can say has always been true about humanity, it's that you're resilient. I think people got used to adapting to changes they caused in the world, so it might be strange needing to adjust to something so unexpected, but it's always been there. If people can choose to be kind, everything will be fine. Please, be kind. And we come back at last to the ending remarks of Olivia as she wraps up her speech. My family founded the agency in order to protect this country from the dangers of magic and otherworldly threats like what happened in Atlantic City. But as we saw today, there are just as many magical, non-human citizens willing to step up and protect the greater good in the lives of their neighbors. Magic need not be something we fear, simply something the world must come to understand. And as for these fine agents gathered behind me, let the record reflect their bravery, hard work, and commitment to each other and their mission when it came to containing and mitigating the damage from such a dangerous and unprecedented crisis. Now, I need to allow time for private interviews with the many outlets gathered here, so I will close with this. Be not afraid. The Eastie Agency is working hard to keep you safe. We cut to the Maple Leaf. The diner in Autumn Falls and George Montgomery, the chef who moved there for his health, you know, is on the line shouting out orders as a lunch rush is coming in and turns to Damien, who we see in like food service whites 
working the grill at your temp job here in Autumn Falls. <laughs> oh. No kid, you're gonna get those temps right, huh? I don't have to check your meats. Nah, I got the the farmhouse next to the grill <laughs> just fine, okay? I like your style, no kid. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of you having a little part-time job with maple leaf while things are in transition. <laughs> But yeah, we could also follow you from that job to a, you know, like a, a Skype session in a new trailer with Lizzie Vines, if you want. She could be interviewing you and asking for updates on your physical condition, uh, your psychology, you know, like where your mind is at, things like that. Or maybe even Damien is going through like online courses to become like certified in certain things, like officially getting a driver's license, officially, you know, passing a, a not even a GED program, because you don't really need that to be an agent, but like, you know, just general like catch up work, I guess, of having to become a full human being with an identity and, and stuff. Maybe there's like an entrance exam at the agency. And even though we've already been hired, they still have us take it just to see. Sure. Yeah. 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 Just to see what our knowledge is. Well, I imagine their driving tests are a little bit more rigorous than your average driving <laughs> tests and so on and so on. I like the idea of seeing Damien. Like, and again, Aiden and, and Raven could go through this training too, but that's not like important to their story. I like seeing it happen for Damien. If you like mm -hmm. going through like firearm safety training and agility drills and, and combat training with Connor Lang, who's back from Argentina with Gimmer and like... <laughs> <laughs> You know, that sort of thing. We, we see Damien sort of shaping up to become his own person. Do you want to describe Damien's new look or, or a, a midway point version of it? It depends where in the montage, because at the very start, it's very unimpressive. And he blames it on the body that he got stuck with. And, mm. you know, he doesn't have the muscle definition and he's out of shape, out of breath. Yep. Ooh. There's a scene or a moment like after you're like complaining like, oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. Whitaker does five? <laughs> it's like in the EC like gymnasium or something. I don't know. There's some space in the agency where you like walk away from training and like take a break. And you're just like sitting on a bench, sipping on a water bottle or whatever drink you've got. Phoebe Wicket comes over to you. Oh, Phoebe, it's good to see you. You too, Damien. I heard you were having a rough go of it this morning in the well, combat training. Uh, yes. I can't lift my arms above my head, uh, but that's okay. They say it should wear off in a day or two. That tends to happen. Well, anyway, I just, I wanted to tell you, I think you're doing great. And she hands you this little box of cookies tied up with some string. Oh, thank you. And he like takes them and just immediately like sets them down because he can't hold the box up. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Oh, these are mm, these are good. Thank you. When I was getting used to things, I tended to bake. It let me not worry so much about what was going to happen, and I had to focus on the moment. So, new bodies are weird. I hope you're doing all right with yours. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm getting there. I, uh, you know, one one step at a time. And uh, oh, I don't have any food on me, but I I do a bit of cooking myself and. I do find it, it's hard to think of other things when your hands are full and everything's moving. Yeah, anything that can help. There's no wrong answers for you. Everything's brand new. 
every everything's brand new, but a hell of a lot harder. <laughs> she, in a very like macabre way, just says, "At least all your clothes still fit." I'll see you around, Damien. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and she scurries away. <laughs> Damien bends over and sort of eats the cookies like straight from the box without his arms to give them a little bit of a break. Uh huh. <laughs> Monster solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's about family. family. <laughs> Hugo. What scene would you like? He's going to call a meeting of the Whispered. Sure. Yeah. Not just the kids, but also the adults. Yeah, everybody. Okay. I think everyone shows up. Oh, no. I think there's some, like, hesitate, or, you know, you're concerned when you put it out there, like, I'm calling a meeting that, like, some people might just tell you to fuck off or, like, not arrive. But everyone of the Whispered that we've previously, like, talked about shows up. He's also going to try to get um, Kenzie and crew on a Skype call. Oh, shit. Oh, and the kids? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, my God. And while he doesn't know exactly how to contact them, he's going to try to somehow contact Heather and Theo. You have Theo's number. Whether or not they respond is its own thing. Yeah. Max and Buck and Mackenzie are willing to be there on a call, but... I don't think Heather agrees to be there for this initial meeting if you explain why you're trying to contact her. She'll get the meeting notes. That's maybe something you'll need to do over time to try and get her to feel comfortable. What's the meeting about? Well, once he has them gathered, I'm assuming you've all seen everything that's been happening and you are all dealing with it in your various ways. I wanted to make a proposition to everyone. Given... The purpose of the Whispered has been to protect everyone. Given we're at a point where keeping that particular status quo is impossible, I was wondering if people would be interested in helping the transition process. Not necessarily coming out of the shadows and saying, oh, we're the Whispered, this is what we do. But opening up a community center every now and then. Food kitchens, cultural exchange programs, slowly helping people with the one tool that they really need, knowledge. And trusting that if we give them knowledge, they'll use it in a way that is safe, but also helps them not be afraid. The whispered chambers are silent, but Professor Argyle stands. And no one is wearing like, you know, the hoods or or veils to like disguise their identities anymore. That was sort of a a precondition of coming to the meeting in the first place, I think, was you were like, there's no point to this song and dance, smoke and shadows stuff anymore. Things are not hush-hush, if you will. And Argyle says, I'm with the Catalyst. It's a bright new world, Hugo. I'll follow whatever endeavor you want to pursue. And you just hear laughing in one of the balcony seats as Rianne says, (laughs) sorry buddy you're definitely in charge now (laughs) (sighs) it it doesn't have to be a following thing it can be a walking in lockstep together kind of thing this isn't a one person thing this is a community thing 
You're damn right it is. And Rhea and Zuri come forward and stand with you and give you a little nod. If you think we're going to let you start a community outreach program, you, socially awkward and inept Hugo Rashad, then you are crazier than I thought you were. You are going to need our help. See, had this been like 10 months ago, that would hurt. But you know what? Thanks. She gives you a, a rare smile. And slowly all the other whispered come forward and nod and agree to this proposal of yours to turn at least your local cell into an outreach organization to try and ease the transition of the world shifting from a world where magic is a secret, only something to be whispered about, and now into something that everyone knows. They're loud, they're proud, something, something. (laughs) He does make note, though, that just because we're doing this community outreach stuff doesn't mean we can fully let down doing what we do. If the time comes that we need to get business done, we will need to get business done. Cool. Raven, when you and Aiden return to Autumn Falls, do you head home? Oh, God, she's got to meet the parents. She knows them, but she's got to meet the parents. (laughs) I mostly meant for Raven to, like, go home because she's been away for so long. Oh, yeah. That's true. But sure, Aiden could be there too. <laughs> I mean, I feel like at this point, they haven't been apart for so long. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, can you come with me? <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's becoming a dangerously codependent relationship. She's just scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh We've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Raven, you make it home and you head back to the Eugenia household and... Aiden will come with you, and you're outside the house, having pulled up on some Uber or something like. Yep, taking several deep breaths. I imagine this is like if they flew back home. This is like right after the airport. This is the first place she goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she still has her house key because she still lives there. It's only been a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> so she kind of just knocks, but lets herself in. Yeah. What DIY is your mom currently obsessed with? (laughs) Oh, man. All I can picture is that she picked, like, one crafty thing, and she's been such, like, an anxious mess lately that she went crazy and just made a ton of them. You know, like, either she took up, like, knitting, and now there's just, like, scarves piled up everywhere. You know, like, there she did something and just had to be using her hands, and now you can tell she's just been working on them for weeks. I think it's, like birdhouses. Yeah, I also was kind of thinking like birdhouses or something. Yeah. I feel like they have that moment where she makes eye contact with her mom who's in the kitchen and she just like drops all of her stuff and runs up to her. She's like gluing one together when you open the door so that when she sees you, she's like, oh my God, and drops it and it like (laughs) clatters apart. (laughs) Yes. Tony, get in here. And she rushes across the house to give you a huge hug. Yeah, Raven just tackles her. They, like, meet in the middle. Yep. Oh, Raven cries a little bit, but tries to wipe her tears away before she pulls back. Oh, honey. I'm back. Oh, I'm so glad you're back. I'm sorry if I worried you. Well, if the news is to be believed, you were saving the world, so... (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we kind of did. I guess it, 
you know, kind of makes sense why I couldn't tell you any of this until now. Yeah, Lark called us the other day. He explained a lot. Oh, good. He said he'd be on his way. I guess he's got to get some time off from work, but... I saw him recently. I don't know if he told you. (laughs) Yeah, we saw you both on the news. It was... Before that, too, yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, sweetheart. She kind of, like, pulls you away and, like, is just, like, holding your face. Mm -hmm. I'm just so proud of the both of you. We missed you a lot, honey. And at this point, your dad comes in. Mm -hmm. He's, like, in jean overalls, but, like, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's been working in the garden. His hand, he's got, like, leather, you know, work gloves on. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, what do you need? Wow, baby girl! And like runs <laughs> Oh my god! You like a you know, tackles your mom and you like mm-hmm. do another huge bear hug. Does that thing where he like throws the gloves off by shaking his hands really hard, and then just like, are you good? Have you been eating? What's been going on, sweetie? Are you okay? Like <laughs> after letting them settle down a little bit, she'll pull away from their hug and kind of gesture over to Aiden, who I imagine is still awkwardly standing at the door. (laughs) Aiden's in the doorway, just like, hi, everyone. Do you remember Aiden? Yeah, yeah, hey. Wow, never would have guessed. I mean, an angel right in our town, huh? (laughs) And also, we're dating. Your dad's jaw drops about as far as his eyebrows raise up, and your mom gives you this sort of surprised but delighted look before she looks back at Aiden and says oh come here sweetie (laughs) (laughs) like offers to let Aiden join the hug Oh! once you all pull out of the hug a little your dad says you two look happy you really spread your wings little bird Oh! I never expect you to come home with somebody who actually has some (laughs) Aiden holds your hand and kind of hugs your arm Mm -hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Eugenia it means so much that I get to be here And she gives your hand a squeeze, Raven. Raven squeezes her hand back. Your daughter means the world to me. We've been through a lot together. We've been there and back again? (laughs) There's a lot that both of us have to catch you up on. I think they they sit down at like the kitchen island and just talk and be like, oh my God, and then there was this time that we did this and then tell her about this thing that we did. Oh, it was so cool. And they're just like helping paint the birdhouses and put more together and like finish them up. Yeah, we get a lovely little montage of you all catching up together. I have an idea for a scene. So Aiden and Raven are walking down the sidewalk in Autumn Falls, and they come up to this little bookstore, and it's called The Bird's Nest. And it's the store that her parents own. It's like combination like bookstore, gift shop, tourist center. There's like knickknacks and tchotchkes everywhere. It's very heavily decorated. It's really cute. It's a tourist attraction. And they go past the main doors to it to like a nondescript door. And Raven unlocks it and they go up some stairs. And it's this empty apartment. And Raven just gets kind of nervous and is like, I know it's not much, but the family that used to be here uh, that was renting for my parents just got a cute little house over in Vernal Springs, and so it's open, and I don't know, I thought it might be cool if, you know, we could stay here until we found something better. I I don't know, it's really small. We're going to have to clean it a lot, but what do you think? 
Aiden kisses you and she kind of pushes you up against the door of this apartment. Yes. <laughs> it's perfect. We could repaint. It'd be so cute. I mean, like, you don't have to move out of your apartment if you don't want to. We could keep both, you know? You don't have to be here full time if you don't want to, if you want your own space. But it might be cool to have a place that all of us can get together. I don't want to be far from you. Good. Me either. No. That was so sweet. Felicity. Mm-hmm. Felicity, you are in a haven somewhere. Yep. Your little spirit companion is trotting along with you. And it's just the two of you. It's just this little forest with moss-covered trunks of trees that have fallen over and given way to colorful mushrooms and lichens, little magical flying spirits lilt through the air and twitter like songbirds. I feel like she looks down at her little companion and just goes, do you think they're okay? They tilt their little skull masked face at you. Their one eye that glows with the blue flame in it sort of flickers and they just continue to pad along looking at you. Eventually they look forward again. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably okay. I'm sure they're fine. They take a couple steps and their feet alight with little blue sparks of fire as they step up into the air and sort of spiral around you and then rest riding on your shoulder. I give them some little chin scratches. Mm-hmm. And they like nuzzle into your hair. Mm-hmm. Come on. We've got work to do. And... Felicity Starnbrook runs off into the woods in the havens. All right. Um, yeah, I think we'll call it. That's enough epilogue for everyone. I th- oh, no. Whitaker. <gasps> How could you forget? Ah! Just <laughs> when you? you think the trauma train can leave the station. <laughs> <laughs> There's one more passenger for the trauma train. We're not done yet. All, All aboard, aboard Whitaker. Choo-choo, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the trauma train is absolutely... <laughs> anyway... A thunderstorm pours down onto a city street. The end of summer rains have arrived to break the humidity and wash the dust from a dark sedan as it drives through the streets of Portland. Hard to tell what time of day it is because of the gray clouds overhead, but we see agents Ross and Spiegel and Whitaker driving through Portland together, and they stop in front of an apartment complex. Spiegel leans back from the passenger seat. All right, here we are. You got everything? Yeah, I do. Thanks for the lift. No problem. Whitaker's sitting in the back. He's back to his, like, really nice, crisp attire. Uh, Not formal, but crisp. And he's just got uh, just a a simple paper bag under his arm. Sure. Well, see you back at the office. See you then. (laughs) And with your umbrella, you talk to someone at the front desk. They point you towards the stairs, and you end up at one of these apartments. Whitaker knocks. 
uh, special delivery. And the door opens, and Prithi Devon, standing there in an oversized t-shirt with a waist belt wrapped around it, <laughs> and like fuzzy pajama pants, <laughs> with their hair like sort of up in one of those like post shower wraps, with like their toothbrush in their mouth, <laughs> just like. Hey, shit! Slam the door on you. <laughs> and then you hear a bunch of scrambling behind the door for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and when they open the door again, they have a simple flannel button-up that's like also a crop top on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some like simple black leggings that end in like stirrups. And... uh undo the hair wrap and like throw their colorful hair back. What color is their hair now? Bright yellow. (laughs) Oh god, okay. And they say, what brings you to town, old man? Well, I've got about three months of back pay to burn through and uh, I used up our last wine bottle while I was out. I figured I'd pay you back. And he opens the bag and he's got a a nice shiny new bottle of wine for Prithy. Mm -hmm. I was going to suggest a night in, but uh... I figured you had enough of those. <laughs> they grin and they say, Yeah, but you've had a lot of nights out. Come on in. And they set the wine on the table, go to their fridge, and like look inside, and they're just like, How do you feel about leftover Korean? <laughs> Please tell me it's kimbap. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes. I'll order us some pizza. You see they go sit down. Like, their place is not a huge mess, but there's, like, just stuff out and about, right? They live here. They weren't expecting any company. But they uh, do notably have the stuffed T-Rex on a coffee table in, like, their little small living room zone. They go over and just sort of, like, sprawl bisexually in the love seat. (laughs) I'm not sure if I should feel seen or offended. (laughs) You should feel loved and represented. Um, (laughs) Glad to see that got delivered all right. How was house arrest? How was manhunt for three months? Preeth, I don't think you want to hear about manhunt for three months. I don't think you want to hear about how low I got. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this, I hunted exactly one man and then it all ended in disaster. And that was it. That was the only manhunt I got to do while on the manhunt. No, you were the one being hunted, you silly thing. No, I didn't even notice that bit. Sure, sure. Those lines on your face say otherwise, but okay. Wow. (laughs) Christ almighty, it's going to be one of those nights. You better watch out, Prithy. With the way Olivia's mobilizing the PR team, you might be rubbing elbows with a celebrity soon, so don't knock the lines while I'm here. Bold of you to assume I don't rub elbows with celebrities all the time. (laughs) You made me miss the DJ Chimera concert. (laughs) Oh, that is a shame. I'll get us both tickets next time. Can you get me another birthday? I'm never going to be 29 again, Whitaker. I want back the (laughs) summer I was supposed to have before I turned 30 and became a shriveled corpse. They lament while also looking perfectly dewy and youthful after whatever face mask they had on before you stopped by. <laughs> oh, you're in luck, Prith. Uh, my 30th birthday's coming up at some point. <laughs> well, fantastic. You're going to make it up to me. Yeah, yeah, I'll make it up to you. They uncork the wine and we'll start pouring a couple glasses for the two of you. 
They're not in wine glasses. It's like a plastic cup and like a mug. I was just about to ask. They have to be the two most batshit cups you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> one is clearly from a bachelorette party and the other one has like Bugs Bunny on it. Yes. So if we're not going to talk about your past few months and we're not going to talk about my past few months. Well, I would hate to bore you. I mean, what's there to tell? I could show you my World of Warcraft character. <laughs> Prithee so much. <laughs> Honestly, I would kill to see something as normal and mundane as a World of Warcraft character right now. Absolutely. Uh, they boot up whatever, you know, rig they've got going. Before they even, like, start talking about the character, they just say, It is good to see you, Whitaker. I'm glad everything worked out all right in the end. I am too, and... Sorry for getting you locked up in here. Did you get my note? They look over at the... The little plushie on the coffee table. The one in Ferdinand over there? I wasn't sure what your standing with the agency was and if you needed a, a way back in. And just in case I fucked up everything and, you know, lost you your job entirely, I figured there was one thing I could give you. Not that it really ended up being <laughs> that necessary. It was a very nice gesture. And had you not saved the world... Well, I suppose then it wouldn't have mattered. But had you somehow fucked up while still saving the world, and it did matter. I hope you know I never would have turned you into the agency if it came down to it. Some things are more important, Whitaker. Whitaker just looks down at the ground for a second and crosses his arms. <sighs> for someone with your IQ, you're so stupid sometimes. I make up for it by being so unbearably attractive. <laughs> Whitaker, <laughs> for a second, looks like he's got some witty comeback, but he just turns red. <laughs> you big dummy. And they toss you a controller. <laughs> <laughs> the um the note for clarification was after they got very public in the, the Washington DC metro station, Whitaker wrote down the coordinates of the trailer for Prithy to sell out to the um agency because he knew they wouldn't be able to go back to it. Wow. Shit. As a as a Hail Mary that Prithy could maybe supply them with that and as a way to show they were still loyal to the agency. Yeah. That's smart. Not that it ended up being necessary. Things happened pretty quickly after that. No, but that's... Mm -hmm. I'm glad you included that. I think that shows a lot about Whitaker and it shows a lot about Prithy being like, fuck no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Prithy's okay. They're fine. They survived lockdown. <laughs> Oh, yeah, poor Prithy actually had to go through lockdown. <laughs> They're the only one. The only one. <laughs> they have their own Animal Crossing island now. <laughs> no oh one can visit them because no one else cares. They recreated the entirety of Portland, Oregon in the, their Animal Crossing island. Mm -hmm. And their phone rings. Oh, no, your phone rings, right? Because you said you were going to order pizza? Yes, phone rings. Yeah, Whitaker picks it up. Hello? Agent Whitaker. Speaking. I'd like to speak to you about the Department of Internal Affairs. <gasps> and that's where we'll end our session. Yeah, baby! What? <laughs> what? What does that mean? Excuse me? What does, it, what does this mean? Okay, Nick Fury, I see you. Does that mean they're not getting their pizza? Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> 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 Next season, Whitaker will be played by Daniel Craig. <laughs> oh, <if> only. <laughs> <laughs> 
Next season, Whitaker will adopt the Benoit Blanc accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, <those. laughs>